If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to read in a few places. Uh, Luke chapter 15, you can mark that. You can also mark in John chapter 14. Uh, you can mark again Luke chapter 15. And you can also mark John chapter 14, where we begin, begin today in Acts chapter 4. So giving you a little bit of a head start this morning. Uh, again, Luke chapter 15, uh, John chapter 14. And then we will begin this morning in um, the writings uh, in the book of Acts is where we're going to read at this morning. And as you're turning to Luke 15 and marking that and John 14 and marking that uh, and then getting over to our, um, our scripture reading in the very beginning in, in um, Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> I want you to think about this. A mega deal. What's mega mean to you? I want to, as you're turning to, uh, to Luke 15, John 14, and Acts chapter 4, what does mega mean to you? Megaphone. Maybe it's a sound that's going to be not just loud, but extremely loud. It's in other words, outside of what we would consider norm. Maybe we might even call them a, a mega deal, or uh, uh, you couponers know it's a deal like you're not going to get anywhere else. It's a, it's a mega deal. It's like something you've never experienced before. Maybe there is even a title of a mega church where these are churches like no other churches. They're just really large churches and they're about the numbers and they're, they're, they're pretty large. I'll say that. I don't know what a number that would define a mega church is, but they are very large. Mega, mega, mega. We, we, we get this idea that it means something beyond the perimeters of normal. It expands outside of that. So when we think about what God does in our life. Do you think that God gives us the mere basics or a bare minimum? Or do you think God goes beyond all of these things? In these verses we're going to read to you here this morning, we're going to see that God is not going to just grant us a little bit. God's going to grant us mega or quite a bit. For I want to read to you in the book of Acts chapter 4 and I want to skip down to the 33rd verse. I want you to listen to this verse very slowly this morning. And with great. That word great translates out to mean mega. Monstrous. Very large. Huge. And with great power. Notice what he says, with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord. But there's the continuation of that verse. And with great grace was upon them all. You have great power, mega, huge, monstrous, very e enormous, outside of anything they'd ever experienced. But along with great power, he says, they also experienced great grace. Name me something in your life that you've done that is great. Now you may say, well preacher, I've not done anything good in me. And we're going to read some scriptures about that in a minute. God does desire for us to do great things. But what are these great things that we have to do here? For our scripture teaches us, with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. 
The world today is acquainted with all kinds of power. Nuclear power. Solar power. All kinds of power that we experience. But folks, I want you to know that all the powers in the world pale in comparison to the power of God. When you think about the power of God today, compare that to all the other powers we know of. There's political power. We don't always like to admit that, but there is such thing as political power. There's a financial power. It's power that you possess because of, of a political position. Maybe there's power that you possess because you have the financial means that you can purchase some things. Maybe there's even a, a, a positional power where you are in position to say, we can do this or that. Or people have powers of all kinds. You got solar power, you got gas power, you've got uh, all kinds of powers that are out there. But I want you to notice that the one thing that Acts is, is noting about is that the apostles had, they had the power of God. I want you to know today that I thank God for the power that we can turn light switch on. I thank God for power that, that circulates a fan above my head that sometimes I, I, I kind of feel cooled. But I'll tell you this, I would trade all the power that we have from electrical power, folks, and I would trade it today for, for I wouldn't say trade it, but I had rather have today the power of God than I would the power that this very building has. I think about how many buildings are together this morning and they have power. They may have political power in those churches or those gatherings. They may have some kind of positional power in those places by which they are in. They may have a financial power by the places they are. But notice this morning what it, with great power, gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. Today we can do a lot of things with horsepower. There's another one. We can do a lot of things with horsepower and, 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 and nuclear power. We can do a lot of things with that. But folks, let me ask you this. What can we do with the power of God? What can you do with the power of God? You have the power for so many things in your life. But the apostles, the, the, the wording was, but that it says, with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. I believe there's a power that the Holy Spirit of God had upon the apostles, the same power that you and I can possess today that is not compared to any other power that this world has. So when I talk about a mega deal this morning, when I talk about a powerful deal, think about today what God has given you above what we would consider a norm or what we would consider a minimal amount. Folks, God gives us an exceeding amount of that. For with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. What power did <coughs> excuse me what power did the apostles have Their power was in their knowledge or their doctrine and he was even alluded to just a minute ago about the, the doctrines of, of what we have and who we are the power of, of the apostles was in their knowledge and their experimental knowledge for the apostles witnesses of the resurrection I believe that if you are there is nothing like experimental ex going through something and having that experimental knowledge is the phrase I'm looking for. Experimental knowledge. Let's think about the power of experiencing something for yourself versus through the eyes of someone else. Do you believe that there's power in being able to experience God for your own self versus experiencing God through somebody else's lens? 
<coughs> Excuse me. Yes, there is. There's a difference in you being able to experience the, the, the power of God, this, this, this mega power that God has. There's a difference in you experiencing that versus saying, well, I've heard that it can do this, 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 and this. But have you experienced that for yourself? For the power that came upon uh, the apostles, it says, with great power. But notice what the power was given to do, to give the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. The power that they were given was not a power that they might have a self-gain, but it was so that they would be a witness. People have power. And I'm going to ask you a, a question, and whatever you, the answer to yourself is not very important, but do you believe that there is such thing as abusing power? When I say abusing power, do you think that people have power, whether it's one form or fashion, of, and they take that power and they use it in a context or in a way not intended for what they received it? Folks, today, if God gives us something, do you think He has a purpose for that? Or is it just do it as we wish with it? I believe that He tells us very specifically, we are to be witnesses. Today, folks, God has granted people a wonderful testimony. I mean, a wonderful testimony. Look at what God has done for them. Look where God has brought them from. Look at what God has seen them through. Look at the darkness that they had in their life over and over and over again. But yet, they are not a witness for God. Folks, today, if you've got a testimony, I'm praying, and I have been, that God will just burden you and trouble you, that you realize that the greatest power you have in your life may not be in the decisions that you can make. It may not be in a document that you can sign. But I believe that there's power in the testimony that God has given you. And you know what? It's not the testimony that someone else can give you theirs and you relay it. It's about your own testimony. You know what I love? If we took a time this morning, and we can, and we all told about a time in our life and a testimony for all of us, we're all going to be different. But God is going to be that, that, that common theme of what God has done for us. And if you're here this morning and you cannot say, well, preacher, I don't have that time in my life where God did something for me, you can have that experience. You can have that time in your life where, where God is opening up this opportunity that He's going to grant them power. And the power is in the resurrection, folks. The power is in a soul that was dead to be made live again. And here the apostles, they were given uh, great power, it says, to be witnesses. When God tells us that there is a, uh, a lot that we should do or there is uh, an, an enormous amount of work that we should do, uh, do we always want to tackle those things and the tasks that are before us? For it says that they begin to experience with great power, gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection. Notice what happens. They were witnesses of the resurrection uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading here. And great grace was upon them all. What does grace do for you in your life? We've talked about great power. And God doesn't just give us a minimum amount of grace. He gives us great grace. Remember what Paul said? That wherever sin abound, the grace did the more abound. You can throw in sin on top of sin on top of sin. You know the Obana scale. Throw sin, all the wrong. It's, this is not a, a, a free give me. You can go do what you want. But you know what? No matter how many times we stumble and we fall, folks, I'm a believer in this. God's grace is always sufficient and going to outweigh our sin. God's grace is greater. 
Today, I don't believe God's given us a, a minimum amount of grace. I believe that God has given us a large, beyond what we can comprehend. When we talk about megas and, and, and powers and all these things, we're talking about what God is able to give unto us. And we see here that uh, the, the, the writer here in the book of Acts chapter 4 says that, that we were not only witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. In order for them to do any kind of an exceptional work, they needed the grace of God. Folks, if we're going to do any work in our life, we need God's grace. Do you think it is possible for people to think that they do not need God's grace? Folks, there's a world of people out there today, and I pray nobody here, but there is a world full of people that, I've got this, God. The truth is, there's some things in this life you can do by yourself. But folks, you cannot die death and go to heaven without God. There of all the things in life that you can do on your own, you cannot die a death and go to heaven without God. You can die a death without God. It's exactly what hell is filled full of. People that died without God. But today, the real important question is, how long are you going to be here for? Sure, we've all got plans. We all know what, what tomorrow holds and the next month holds a year. We all know what the future holds. But the truth is, none of us knows what, we, what, what the very next second holds for us. But in doing that, we see that God desires that, that we might be given grace, that we might have, uh, that we might face what it is tomorrow. It's an exceptional work. It's a big work. There's a lot of things that we need to do, but we need God's grace. For a soul to roam this earth and think they do not need God, I pray for them that God would humble them and God would bring humility into their life to see that they need God. Folks, I'll tell you this. I'm a firm believer in this. I need the church more than the church needs me. You don't believe me? My life can end today, and if time carries, I assure you that this church will still be preaching the gospel. Church doesn't need me. I need the church. Matter of fact, let's word that a little bit different. Do you think the fish need the water or the water need the fish? Uh, the ocean's still going to be the ocean without the fish. But those fish sure do need that water, don't they? Folks, we're not changing God. But God sure does change us. I need God in my life. I have no shame if you even classified as needing that. I have no shame or no problem, I should say, telling anybody I need God. I have no problem telling anybody, yes, I stumble and I fall. I have no problem telling anybody, yes, there's things that I do in my life that are wrong. Yes, I sin, but God's grace always picks us up. And it's not just a little bit. Folks, God's grace is mega. It's monstrous. It's large. He gives it to me more and more and more. And I thank God, at what point are you going to stop the well and keep giving me grace? And as long as we sin, God's going to keep giving us grace. Aren't you glad for that today? Aren't you glad that you're not about to run out? You ever been in a car about to run out of gas? You get a little nervous. Aren't you glad today to know that we're not about to run out of God's grace? That He's given us what we need? And in return, may we not just say that we've got a, a, an endless amount of grace. May we say, God, we're going to strive to live more for you. We're going to strive to do more for you. And do the things that we should as the apostles were given great power. And he goes on to say they were given great power to witness and great grace was upon them all. I want you to... The world today is pretty knowledgeable about power. 
We've already talked about the nuclear power and the horsepower. We, we understand all those powers. But I would love to go around. I'm going to say I'd love, but I would be curious to know about all the people in the world today. How many people know about God's great grace? Power. There's even a lot of people that understand God's power. He just spoke the world into existence. All the stars and the galaxies and all these things that in the, in the living organisms, God just spoke them into existence. That's a powerful voice. But not only have people had an understanding of God's power in their mind, but I wonder have they experienced God's great grace in their life. If your eyes are looking at me right now, you are looking at one that has been given God's great <laughs> grace. Grace is not something that I have earned. It's not something that I stood in line and said, I'm going to wait my turn or I'm going to work my way up. Folks, God's grace is something He gave me when I did not deserve it. I did not earn it. There is not anything that I have about me that does do that. But I thank God this morning that not only have I seen and experienced God's great power, but we also see that God's great power helps us in a time that we can experience great grace. There's a lot of people that want to experience ordinary just an ordinary day or an ordinary God or just ordinary service. Folks, today, I believe in the greatness of God. I believe in great power. I believe in great grace. Aren't you glad today that we can come today and, and, and ordinary things are not going to happen. Extraordinary things are going to happen because we serve an extraordinary God that's going to give us beyond or above all that you ask. That's what the scripture teaches us. He said he's able to give us above all that we even ask. Folks, God today is not a minimum God. He's a maximal God. He's a God that wants to give you more than what we deserve. And He does. Is there anybody here today that, that you don't have to raise your hand or tell me anything, but is there anybody here today that, that we can rise to our feet and say, Yes, Lord, you have given me more than I ever deserved. You have done more for me than I've ever deserved for anybody to do. Folks, if you have been saved today, God has done more for you than what you deserve. For we all deserve to go to hell. Every one of us. Not because we're bad people, but because we're sinful people. And today I thank God that He's done for me more than I can ever experience. And He says, In great grace was upon them all. Why did they experience great grace? If I was to walk outside on a beautiful sunshine and day with an umbrella, you would think, well, there's no need for an umbrella because it's not raining. Unless I want to get in the shade, I guess, but follow the point for just a minute. Do you think God's grace is something that's unnecessary? Or do you think God's grace is necessary? Oh, there's people that roam us all around us. I don't, I don't have to have God's grace. I don't, I don't see the need in it. You ever hear people talk about things in their life they don't just necessarily need? Let me tell you this. Whether you know this or not, I pray that you would see the need. Folks, we all need God's great grace. There's a need. There's a need for that. And in order to do that, we have to look in a mirror and see ourselves for who we really are. Sometimes we want to look through our eyes through a fairy tale like what we want to be. But you know what? When we look in a mirror and we see ourselves for who we are and we see ourselves the way that God sees us, folks, we will understand that there is a need for not just a little grace, but a great grace. We'll see the need. God, I'm not just a sinner. I, I, I'm a huge sinner. I'm a great sinner. And I'm in need of great grace. 
Great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. If you saved your marking there in John chapter 14. I want to move along for just a minute. About 40 days after Jesus told his disciples about the greater works. He's going to manifest himself in in the book of Acts. But I want to read to you. Luke chapter, excuse me, John chapter 14 for just a moment. Notice what he says, John chapter 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, now this is Jesus speaking. You want to talk about something humbling. Listen to this. The works that I do, Jesus said, the works that I do, Shall he do also? You mean to tell me we've got to work just as good as Jesus did? That's not the end of that sentence. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. I want you to really ponder that very verse. Jesus was not bragging about himself. He was just saying I did some works because of my Father was with me. He said, but you know what? You're going to do some works too. He said, you're going to do just as good as I did, but you're going to do them even greater. Jesus knew that in the flesh, there was limits. There was only limits of where he could go and and, and how many places he could be that his body would grow tired and, and hungry. But he said, in the spirit, he said, that's why there's the end of that verse. Because I go to the Father. He's talking about how that, that, that I'm going to send a, a, a presence. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That may sound like a, a pretty arrogant statement that we're going to do greater things than Jesus. But I believe today that we can do some mighty things, folks. And it's not because of our own merit, but we can do some mighty things because of the Spirit of God dwells with us. And that's what he's talking about here in John chapter 14. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of to, to read through this, but skip back up for just a minute now in the 8th verse. Lord, show us, this is John 14 and 8. Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us and Jesus tells him he says if you've seen the father you've seen me if Jesus is going to do great works I want to read to you that 12th verse again he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also folks I'm not raising the dead I'm not here today to make the lame to walk but Jesus said you're going to do greater works than that you see folks we're not here today not just for the physical needs of people. Their spiritual needs also. Do I believe in feeding the hungry? Yes. I am a deep believer that God has put us here to take care of the physical needs of people. But may we not forget, folks, that the most important needs that a person has is not their physical needs, it's their spiritual needs. For not every person has a bad back. Not every person has health issues. Not every person has uh, no food, but every one of us has a soul that's sinful and needs to be saved. Every single one of us. 
But you see today there's needs in all of ours. And Jesus teaches us that, that, that we're going to have to do greater works. And he says that because he said, because I go to my Father. Today I believe that if we'll see that Jesus is teaching us that there's great works that we're going to be able to do. And there's great works that we're going to be able to accomplish in our life. And it's not going to be because of what we have. But Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And if you've got the Holy Spirit with you, you're going to do some wonderful things. You're going to do some great things. You're going to do some mega things in your life because the Holy Spirit's with you. Today, there's great power. There's great grace. And I believe that there's some great works that we can do. Not to get to heaven but because God is with us. For I want to close this morning in Luke chapter 15. All three of these accounts that we read about in Luke chapter 15, they all have a common theme. Something is lost, has to be found. The lost sheep begins in verse 3. The lost coin begins in verse 8. The lost son begins in verse 11. I want us to look at that for just a minute. Lost son went to his father, insults him by saying, Father, when you die, I'm supposed to get a portion of inheritance. I almost wish you were dead, so why don't you just go ahead and sell what you've got and go ahead and give it to me now? That's kind of how selfish that it's easy for us to get. So the father swallowed his pride, sold a portion of his land, gave that third to his son, and said, here you go. And the son, we see, it says, uh, he asked for that, and it says... uh, 13th verse, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted with substance and riotous living. It was a great way off. He began to wonder. I think you, you, you've seen these scriptures, we've read this. But how great was the father's love for his son, that his son humiliated him. Wanted him, wanted his inheritance. Goes out here instead of living right. Goes out here and does everything that's wrong. He's in a bad situation. But let's just keep going for just a minute. It says, and not many days after that, he begins to wander off. It says, and when he had spent all, notice what he says in the fourteenth verse. When he spent all he had, there arose a mighty famine in the land and began to be want. And he went and journeyed himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into a field to feed swine. And when he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make thee one of thy hired servants." And he arose. I want you to listen to this 20th verse. I don't... He had to be dressed in rags, in riches. He had to be in a, in a very filthy state. <clears throat> and when he was yet a great way off. I believe the father knew exactly where he was. And I believe he knew all about him. A great... We're talking about great things. 
His son was a great way off. But yet, even though there was this huge, monstrous, mega gap, he saw him. There is nothing that separates man from God more than sin. But I want you all to know something. God still sees us. You can't run from God. You can leave here. You can run from here. But you cannot. God is so great. Sin is so great. But God is greater. You cannot hide from God. And notice what the scripture says. He was yet a great way off. So all of a sudden the son's making his way back. And his father begins to see him. And he says he saw him. He had compassion. Then he ran. And he fell on his neck. And he kissed him. He knew the son was returning. He wanted to go. And in all three of these lessons in Luke chapter 15. There was something that was lost. That needed to be found. You see, when you go back to that sheep, that was a, a great deal to lose a sheep. The coin that was lost, that was a great deal uh, that was lost. To the son that, that had lost all of his inheritance, that was a great big deal. And the reason is, is that, that God is able to come even the greatest things that we have in our life. For I want to hurry back to Acts and I want to hush it a minute. And with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and with great grace, excuse me, and great grace was upon them all. Today, what has God brought to you, to offer to you? Great power? Great grace? Is there a great distance? You may think today you have great works that you're going to do. I pray that you would. But you're going to do those things because of God's with you. God bless you this morning. Those are the things that I felt like I needed to say. I want us to get a song if we could.